one quick announcement. And, uh, of course, you can go to our website or Facebook, and we have things going on every week, small groups. But right after the service today, we're having our growth track. It'll be meet upstairs in the room, uh, the adult education room. And that's kind of like our membership class, and it helps you to get involved at Family Life. Uh, we don't just want you to attend and be a number coming in and leaving, although you're welcome to do that. But if Family Life's going to be your church, we would like to help you get involved so you can serve in a different, one of the different ministries in our church. Um, this morning, we're actually starting a new series uh, that's going to go for four weeks on the miracle moments in the life of Jesus. And here at Family Life, we believe that God is still in the miracle business. And, and so to start the series off, they're going to they're show a video of one of our members who received an incredible miracle in her life. So watch the screen, and I'll be up in just a minute. Jackson, and I'm here to tell you what God miraculously has done for me. In 2015, I was diagnosed with stage four neuroendocrine cancer, and they told me that there was no cure, that all they could do was give me chemo treatment to control the symptoms that the tumors were producing in my body. And last fall, I had gotten to the point where the chemo was not working anymore and the symptoms were not being controlled. My blood pressure had dropped to 57 over 45. I was passing out all the time and I was at a point where I was ready to get with Pastor Terry and just make my final arrangements. But I had had some insurance problems where they were not approving my treatments any longer. So I started doing some research and I found at MD Anderson, they had a new drug that was supposed to be more effective for the kind of cancer that I had. So I was all lined up for that and I just kept feeling worse and worse. So I went up for prayer on one Sunday and I asked Pastor Terry to pray for me for either being a candidate for this drug or God just heal me. I said, whatever his will is, that's what I want. And Pastor Terry prayed for me for God to heal me from my head to my toe. And as he said it, I literally felt God touching me from my head to my toe. And the symptoms were just leaving my body. And I had not had my first visit with MD Anderson. So when I went, I, I just knew that they were not going to find anything. So they ran all these tests to see if I was a candidate for this new drug. And by January, they said, look, we've had four conferences going over all your records. We could see where the cancer was. It was in your liver, in your kidney, in your lung, and in your adrenal gland. And now all there is is scar tissue. There's nothing there. It's gone. So I praise God. I just had my six-month checkup, and I'm still clear. And they don't want to see me for another year. And I know in another year, I'm going to have the same report. And I praise God for it. Thank you for listening to me. And if you need anything, God is there for you because His timing is perfect and all things work together for His good. All you have to do is have faith and call on Him. So this is just starting today and we'll be going for the next four weeks and I just want to encourage you uh, every chair in this auditorium should be filled because all of us know people that need a miracle we have to invite people we have to invite people to experience the power of God so anyway again welcome and this series is called miracle moments and and basically the premise is this while Jesus was on the earth the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record 35 supernatural miracles that Jesus performed in the lives of people. And it, that some of them were in town, some of them were in church, in the synagogue, some of them were in houses, some of them were out on a, on a boat. And uh, I believe these miracles, when we study these miracles, I believe they, they provide great insights or principles that we can apply to our lives to receive miracles ourselves. And, you know, John 20, verse 30 through 31, it says this, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, 
But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. And so uh, that's the whole thing. The, the miracles that Jesus were, were performed were, were just signs that God was with him, that the Spirit of God uh, was upon him. And when we have miracles in our churches today, it just shows that God is alive. It shows that God is still in the miracle business. It shows that God still intervenes in the life, in the lives of his people. You know, there are some people who may never believe God, but if they receive a miracle or somebody they know receives a miracle, it's an incredible testimony to God. All of these people, the next few weeks, who are going to be giving testimonies. They all, they all had, they had different forms of cancer. And they were medically proved. They have scans and all this, and now there's no more scans. And one of, the, one of the people, the doctor says, he says, I got healed by Jesus. It's a miracle. He said, well, you are a mystery man. Now, I'm not a mystery man. I'm a miracle. Jesus is in the miracle business. So, so let's think about this. As we talk today, just begin to, to think about uh, and, and raise your faith. You know, sometimes we believed for something in our lives for so long and it hasn't happened yet, so we just quit believing. Start believing again. Start having expectations again. It's always God's will for you to receive a miracle. So let's look at these four miracle insights. It says this, first of all, is that God is still in the miracle business. That God, that miracles still happen today, that God is still in the miracle business. John 14, 12 says this, very, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me, will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going uh, to, to the Father. So Jesus opened the door for miracles, and he stated that the door is still open for us. Uh, miracles did not stop when Jesus uh, died and resurrected and ascended to heaven. He gave us the Holy Spirit and, and miracles still happen today. They happen in the first century, the second century, the third century. They happen here uh, in, in Houston. They happen in India. They happen in China. Miracles, miracles are happening all over in the world and in, in the church today. You know, sometimes, somewhere along the way, the church quit believing for miracles. Even though it's in the Bible, even though Jesus told us we should, uh, you know, we should believe in miracles. We should pray for miracles. And in the late 17th century, a doctrinal error uh, infiltrated the church uh, called deism. And basically, deism says that God created the world like a watch, watchmaker creates a watch. When a watchmaker creates a watch, he winds it up, he gives it to the client or whoever buys it, and he never has any intervention with that watch again unless it breaks. And many people say, you know, God, he did create our world. But he, he's not in our world anymore. He's kind of taken a hands-off approach, and he just lets us live our lives. And how many know that? That is not what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us that God still speaks to us. He still intervenes in our lives. He still transforms our lives, and he's still in, in, in the miracle business. So that's the first step, is that God is in the miracle business. If you say, um, you know, well, I don't believe in miracles, uh, well, that will complicate things a little bit. You know, I can have faith for you, but it certainly helps if you believe. When we believe something, it makes a big difference. The second thing inside is this, is that if you have a need, you're a candidate for a miracle. Now, let me just stop right now. I actually do want you to respond if it applies to you this time. Sometimes people don't know. If you need something in your life that you can't do for yourself, could I just see your hand? Seriously, I need something that I cannot do on my own. So look, look, look around. Look how many people. Now people are putting their hands down. Not me, you know, not me. Man, we ought to be raising both hands. I need God. I don't care what the person next to me thinks. I need God to intervene in my life. So probably 90% of the congregation said there's something in their life. It may be big. It may be small. But there's something in their life that they can't make happen on our own. And that's where the miracles come in. God does something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. God gives a breakthrough into our life that, that changes and revolutions, revolutionizes our lives. The third insight is this, is that God cares about the big things and the little things in your life. There's no miracle too big 
and there's no miracle too small. Sometimes we get the feeling that if something is too small, it's not important enough to bother God about. How many know if you have a need in your life, it's worth bringing it to God? It's worth asking Jesus to, to come into your life and to help you. In the miracle moments in the life of Jesus, out of the 35, we, we see both big, huge miracles and we see small, small miracles that we might would think were kind of insignificant. But things like the big ones, Jesus raised people from the dead on several occasions. He healed crippled people, paralyzed people. He opened blind eyes. He healed leprosy. And he delivered de demonically possessed people. You know, the, he, 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 did, he did all that. You know, there's a story about a man named, named Legion, and because he had that many demons in him, and he was running around the tombs naked, you know, and, and, and they would bind him with chains, and he would just break them. And Jesus ministered to him, and the guy's just sitting there in his right mind having a conversation with people. That's a big miracle. That's a big miracle right there. But we also see that Jesus cared so much about people that some of the things that you and I would say, hey, Jesus, don't waste your time with, he still cared enough to intervene and get involved. And one, one of my favorite miracles, his first miracle, was the miracle at Cana, when a, a Jewish family was having a, a marriage ceremony. It, they would have been a poor Jewish family. And the wedding cer celebration lasted seven days. And one of the things is the family was supposed to provide wine. Back then, uh, wine was not as strong as it is now. They, they doctored it with water. But it was a celebratory drink for the occasion. And during, on the third day, they ran out of wine. And you think, well, so what? They ran out of wine. They had wine for three days. You know, don't, beggars can't be choosy. You got free wine for three days. You know, suck it up some. But for that Jewish family, it was an embarrassment not to provide that for your guests. So Jesus... He had the, the servants fill six ceremonial jars with water, and he turned water to wine. And he just didn't give them wine. He didn't go down to the store and give them cheap wine. He gave them expensive wine. And they said, man, this is, why'd you save the best wine for the end? So, you know, you, you, we would think just saving somebody from a little bit of embarrassment, that's not very important. How many know that when you have a need, it doesn't matter what someone else thinks is important to you? If it's important to you, then it's important to God. We, we have to understand that and really think about it. Another one that some people would think was small was when Jesus was talking to a Samaritan woman at a well. I mean, this woman had had so many husbands and she was living with somebody. She was an adulterous woman. And Jesus met her out there at the well and started talking to her about living water. Here's a woman who's emotionally traumatized. Her life isn't going well. She came out to gather water when all the ladies didn't come out so she wouldn't have to pay, face ridicule and persecution. And Jesus just ministered life to her, life to her. How many know that uh, to the village, they thought, why is he wasting his time with that woman? Here's the answer, because every person is important to Jesus. Every person is important to Jesus. Every person should be important to us as well. So it does not matter if the miracle you need is big or small. If you need a miracle, God cares about your need and he's willing to intervene. Insight or principle number four is that every miracle requires an action on your part. And there's a faith element. There's a component with our name on it that we have, when we do that, when we obey, it activates a miracle, you know, into our lives. And for some of you here today, maybe you heard that, we're having a miracle service the next four weeks and you came. Maybe your action step was just to show up today. Maybe your action step is to actually come up for prayer at the end of the service when we pray. Whatever, whatever your action step is, it could be big or it could be small, uh, but we just have to obey what the Lord is telling us to do. When we take action, that faith activates miracles. It's an incredible thing, but if you, if you go through this week and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will not read one miracle where somebody didn't do anything. Somebody always did something that activated the miracle. And sometimes Jesus did something and told them to go do something. You know, he put mud on the blind guy's eyes and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And after he washed, he was healed. 
Guess what? If he didn't go to the pool of Siloam and if he wasn't obedient, he'd still be walking around with mud on his eyes or blind. He, there was an action step on his part. So, so just be thinking uh, as we go through this today, what do I need to do? What is the Lord wanting me to do to activate a miracle in my life? You know, Ms. Nancy, who talked today, the um, testimony, she had had this cancer for like seven or eight years. You know how many times she got prayed for? Many times. Many people were fasting and praying. But for whatever reason, that was the day. That was the day and she came up and asked for prayer. Yeah. If, she, if she hadn't asked for prayer, I don't know what would have happened. But she obeyed that day. And sometimes people say, well, how often should we pray? How often should we come for prayer? Listen, if you have a need, just bombard the heavens. I mean, just bombard the heavens. Just keep going with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach a message one day. I've been working on it out of my own personal experience. Is that uh, the benefit of being obsessive compulsive. If you need a miracle, you need to be obsessive and compulsive and pray and cry out and seek God until you get your miracle. Don't be worried about your pride or what people think of you. They're not the one who needs your miracle. You do. You do. we got to quit worrying about what people think. You get healed and who cares what they think? You're walking away with a miracle. So we're going to look at a miracle this morning. And, and I call this just a rooftop miracle from Mark 2, one of my favorite miracles. We're going to read it. And we're going to talk about it a little bit. Then we're going to close with a prayer for anyone who needs a miracle today. Mark 2, 1 through 12 says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. And since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins have been forgiven. Now some, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority to, on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And he got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. This is an amazing story. There's a paralyzed man living in an unknown village that has no hope of a better life. He has no hope of be getting better. He has no hope of being healed. He has no hope of, of rehabilitation. He's been paralyzed uh, most probably all of his life. But he has some incredible friends. We need some incredible friends. We need some faith-filled friends. We need to quit hanging around with doubters and whiners and complainers. And we need to start hanging out. Was that too harsh? We need to start hanging out with some winners. You need some incredible friends. You need friends who will take you to Jesus. I mean, we don't need people who will take us down. We need people to take us up. He had some amazing friends, some incredible friends uh, who, who, who had a desire to help him. And so they hear about this, this prophet. They hear about this rabbi named Jesus and these miracles that are taking place. And everyone knows that Jesus, he's living in Capernaum. That's where he lived during his ministry. And they get word that Jesus is back in Capernaum. And he just returned. So his friends have this idea, man, let's put our friend on some type of a mat or a stretcher and let's carry him to Jesus. He's hopeless here. I mean, we're, you know, honestly, we're tired of seeing him suffer. We're tired of looking at him in a debilitated state and nothing else has worked. So let's take him to Jesus. 
And these friends begin, you know, to, to carry him to Jesus. Now, it says he was carried by four of them. We don't know how many friends were actually in the group. I think there were more than that because the, if you've been to Israel, the, the train is rough. And we don't know how far they had to carry him. So they probably rotated, you know, taking turns carrying their friends. And so, you know, they, they, they finally get him to Jesus. So principle number one is this. The paralyzed man uh, had no way to help himself, but he had friends that took action. Principle number one is his friends, they took action. And his friends, again, decided to take action on his behalf. And you know, it's, it's interesting is they go all this way. So I want you to think about this story. They go all this way carrying this man on a stretcher, and they get there, and there's, there's, there's no way to get him in to see Jesus. The house is full. The yard is full. There's no way to get him to Jesus. So he, here's the deal. They don't stop with taking him there. Now they climb a ladder, dig a hole through the roof, and lower him right in front of Jesus. So they, they took action. Now, the homes in Israel, just so you know, all the homes in Israel were made of, of, of natural materials. They all had flat roofs. And it was normal to use the roofs, the roofs of, of a normal Jewish Israelite home as extra space. And so basically there were, there were, there were um, timbers going across the roof about three feet apart. And between the timbers, they would they would put brushwood and clay, several layers, in, and it just became dried like, like as hard as a rock. And then most times they would grow grass on top of that. So that would provide coolness. They don't, didn't have air conditioning or electricity. They would, that would provide coolness for the house. Then you could go up there and sit in the evening, and it was comfortable. It was soft. And so it's through this that the friends, uh, you know, began, uh, you know, to, to dig and, you know, I was thinking about this this week. This is a really great story unless if it's your house. <laughs> I mean, think about you're at home having a Bible study, you know, and Jesus is leading the Bible study. And like your house is full. You're worried about refreshments. Oh, I don't have enough refreshments in the doors. There's people outside in the yard. You know, the HOA is complaining and all this. And lo and behold, someone cuts a hole in your roof and lowers the man right in front of Jesus. Jesus said, man, your sins are forgiven. Hey, by the way, take up your mat and go home. And everyone is just clapping and you're like, you're going to heal my roof, Jesus? I mean, it's a great miracle, but I mean, you want to be happy for the man, but I got a hole in my roof, man. How am I going to explain this to Allstate? Well... Well, you're not going to believe this. Was it a storm? No, it was a person. He just cut a hole in the roof and, and, and lowered things through. So, so they took action, and they, they, they took an action to, to make the trip. Then when they got there, um, they just wouldn't be denied. They wouldn't be denied. We're not carrying our friend back in the same condition. And sometimes we have to take action. And, and we have to say, you know, I refuse to live any longer in this condition. I refuse to live like this. I'm not going to live like this. It's unacceptable. Principle number two is that his friends, they had a burning desire. They had a burning desire. There was a different type of attitude with these friends. They refused to be denied. And, you know, basically they're saying, today is the day that our friend receives a miracle. Today is today. Is today your day? Is today your day? I'm often surprised by that when God is working in different places and, you know, you have an altar call, you're going to pray for people and people are like wait, making sure people come up first. Man, be the first one up there. Be the first one. Man, today is today. Today is my day. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of, break, of breakthrough. And so we have to change our attitude toward miracles. We, ha we have to possess faith in a burning desire in our attitude and you know, sometimes you talk to people and it's like, you know, oh, oh, well, I tried. I tried. Come on. How many of you have teenagers and you ask your kids to do something and they didn't do it or they didn't do it well and they say, well, I, I tried. Don't be like that to God. Do it with excellence. Have a burning desire. Have a hunger. Have a hunger. And, uh, you know, or they, you know they, they say things like, you know, 
uh, oh, well, you know, it, it would have been nice, or oh, oh well, we, we tried, or, you know, maybe next time, or here's another one, maybe it's not God's will. I promise you it's God's will for you to be healed. I promise you it is God's will for you to be healed, okay? You just have to understand that and believe that. Principle number three is that we see in this story that it, 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 it's funny, Jesus doesn't really address the paralyzed man. Oh, man, you're in really bad shape. He addresses the friends. It says when he saw their faith, when he saw their faith, he knew they came from a different village. He was from Capernaum. He hadn't seen him before. He knew. I mean, not only did they carry him, cut a hole in the roof, somehow they found some type of rope or something to lower him. They made a stretcher. And Jesus recognizes their faith. It says, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. So, again, Jesus is teaching, and all of a sudden, a man is lowered through the roof. That will get your attention. I mean, it's the only time recorded that, that that's happened, so I don't think that was a common occurrence. And, I mean, Jesus is teaching, and, you know, I'm just going to go on a limb. I think he was probably teaching really good. That's what I'm going to go with that one, you know. Because it says the people were amazed at his teaching. And, and you know, his, the service is interrupted by a man being lowered in a stretcher. How many of you know when interruptions come into, in our life or our church God can use them to bring about blessings. God can use them to super, uh, you know, to supercharge our services or things like that. And, uh, but Jesus was moved by faith. And when we raise our faith level, God takes notice. Faith is the fuel that ignites miracles. Faith, so you have to believe. You have to believe. You have to, you have to believe and you have to trust God. That's the, that's the fuel that ignites miracles. Principle number four. We're talking about this great miracle of this paralyzed man getting up, taking his mat and walking. But principle number four says this. The greatest miracle is to have our sins forgiven. We overlook the miracle that this man established a relationship with Jesus. This man had his sins forgiven. It says, son, your sins are forgiven. The, the greatest miracle is having a relationship with Jesus and receiving eternal life. The paralyzed man came to get his physical body restored, and he left with his soul restored. He got the physical miracle, but, but his soul was restored. His soul was broken. His soul was separate from Christ, and he had that restored. I just want to let you know here today, maybe there's probably some of you in this auditorium this morning, and you don't know Jesus. Your sins have not been forgiven, and we're going to pray for you to receive the miracle you need. But the first miracle, the greatest miracle, is for you to become one with Jesus Christ, for you, for your life to be transformed. It changes your whole outlook on life. And see, Christ, the Bible tells us that God wants the whole person to be whole, to be well. Body, mind, and spirit. He didn't, he didn't just want to heal your mind. He didn't just want to heal your physical body. He wants to heal the inside of you. He doesn't want you to get a physical miracle. He didn't want the paralyzed man to be healed, then walk away and still live in sin and not know him. It, it's, it's the inside first. And so uh, this is the greatest miracle that salvation through Jesus Christ, it, it opens the door to a whole new way of living, peace, hope, faith, security. And the last principle we're going to talk about today before we start praying for people is that Jesus is the only one who can provide your miracle. You know, if you're healed today, when Nancy was healed, it wasn't, it wasn't because she was at Family Life Church. It wasn't because this building, and it wasn't because of me. God could have used anyone to pray for her. I was just the instrument that God used that day. Okay? And, and so, but here's the thing. Jesus is the only one that can provide your miracle. These men, they carried their friend to Jesus because they had exhausted every other option. You know, I'm sure this paralyzed man had gone to every doctor that there was. I'm sure they had given him every herbal treatment that there was. 
Hey, I'm fine with people going to see doctors. I believe God gives doctors wisdom and guidance. I'm all about, you know, some people are like, well, I don't go to doctors. I just do the natural way. Well, that can work sometimes too. But there are some times when nothing we try in the physical realm works. And when you get there, the only, the only course of hope you have is to come to Jesus. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that so many Christians know that, but they try everything else first? How many of y'all do that? You notice I didn't ask you to be honest, okay? And sometimes we're praying while we're doing these other things, but see, your prayers and your faith change when you get to the situation where you know nothing else is going to work. Amen. Nothing else is going to work. Is, is Jesus heal me on this earth or I'm going to spend eternity with you? And either one is good. Either one is good. I mean, I was thinking about, we have, we, we, many years ago, my family found ourselves in a position uh, like this. Gosh, this has been a long time ago. It's been maybe like 15 or 16 years. When, when, my, when my son, Ty, was around seven or eight years old, he developed some stomach problems, and it just, you know, at first we're like, okay, you know, you'll be okay. And it just kept going and going and going to where he was in pain all the time. Uh, he couldn't go to school. He couldn't play outside. All he did was lay in bed or the couch. He had lost 20 pounds, and so we were taking him to doctors. And, I, and listen, Houston has the best doctors that there are in the world. I mean, we, we took him to Texas children, I mean, he, they did every test that they could do. They did scopes down his throat. They put him in the hospital for a week and gave him uh, the strongest steroids possible intravenously. They even uh, tried for two months. He didn't eat food, and he just drank all of his nutrition. That's a bummer, you know. And so you're doing all this, and, and this went on for over a year. Over a year this went on. And I'm telling you, the parents in here, the most debilitating thing is when your kids are hurting and you can't help them. That's, that's I mean, we take it on ourselves. That's a debilitating thing. And so we went to a, a doctor's appointment. And the doctor said, Mr. and Ms. Darnell, you know, there is nothing else medically we can do. We know what the problem is, but nothing we have, we've tried every medicine there is. We've tried every remedy that there is. And so there's nothing more we can do for him. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me, man. We're in, we're in Houston. We're in the medical center. Are you, you serious? And they said he's, his last words were, you know, hopefully he'll just grow out of it. And so we went home. And, and I, you know, it's kind of shocking a little bit. We went home. And actually, Tracy and I, we were actually relieved we're relieved because we had exhausted everything that the doctors could do. The, the best medical doctors in the world, the, we'd exhausted that. We, we, we felt better because we knew that he needed a miracle and we knew the miracle worker. And so now I'm, I'm going to just say this the only way that I can say this. You know, sometimes I'm speaking and Tracy's like, she tells me, Terry, you're different from people. You're like a type A person. You're like aggressive and some people aren't, you know, so... But I'm, I'm going to, sometimes we talked about having hunger and, hunger and desire. Sometimes you have to get out of yourself and get more aggressive to get a miracle. I'm just going to say that. And so we, we became very aggressive spiritually. First of all, Trace and I, did a, we did a two-week water-only fast. And we just, we, we, I, I'm telling you, we were bombarding heaven and hell. We went to both places. I put myself before the throne of God, and I confronted the devil saying, you, you, you can't have him. You can't have him. He's not yours. You can't, you got to release him, you know. And um, I had a, at the time, Ed Burns was living next to me. He was an elder in the church for about 10 years. And, you know, I'll never forget this. For about a month, Ed came over to my house every morning at 6 a.m. At 6 a.m. every morning for something he didn't need. And we prayed for an hour every morning at 6 a.m. for a month. And then, I don't even know if he knows this, but whenever Ty would go to sleep, I would go up in his room and pray over him for another hour. You say, Terry, that's probably about three hours a day. Yeah, 
That's what it was. That's what it was. Well, the church was praying. I mean, we had a lot of people praying for him. And um, so the end result is he did not receive an instant miracle. By the end of one month, four weeks after the doctor told us that, now he's not taking any more medicine. He's not on any medicines. He's eating regular food. At the end of four weeks, he's back at school. He's playing in the afternoon out with his friends in the neighborhood. And within three months, he had gained all of his weight that he had lost and more. It's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. The doctors said they could not do anything and Jesus said, I have more I can do. I have more I can do. So my, my, my question is, if you need a miracle, are you willing to go the extra distance to get it? Are you willing to fast? Are you willing to pray? Are you willing to put things that aren't important away and really just press in and focus on a miracle. When only a miracle will do, it will cause you to see life differently and cause you to live differently. When only a miracle will do. So we've been, we've come on up, the band coming up, we've been talking about the miracle moments in the life of Jesus this morning and how they're still available to us today. And I have given you several principles this morning that hopefully will allow you to increase your faith that there's an action step that needs to be taken, that, you know, there's no miracle too big or, or too small. And we've just been talking about having a hunger for miracles and that Jesus is the only one that can perform the miracle in our lives. And by talking, I, just, I hope this morning that your faith level has just begun to increase. Your faith level has begun to increase. I, I think it's so important in your spiritual mind just to, to see the miracle you have. We're going to pray for you today and for the next four weeks. And as, as a matter of fact, every Sunday we'll pray for you. Don't walk away dejected if you don't see an instant miracle. Sometimes they're instant. Sometimes they're over the course of, of, of time or days. But you know what? Both of them produce the same result right freedom would you stand with me let's pray this morning God right now we just release the working of the Holy Spirit this morning Lord we've talked we know that God is still in the miracle business you care about every big thing you care about every small thing as a matter of fact you care about every need that concerns us you care about when we have lack of something in our life. And Lord, before we start praying this morning, God, we, we give you all the glory because we cannot produce miracles. It's by the Holy Spirit that miracles are produced. And so God, we just release this morning the supernatural. God, I pray for supernatural power, supernatural anointing. God, to heal every physical issue this morning every emotional issue this morning. Lord, any, all depression, Lord, all discouragement, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I want to do something this morning as, before we start praying. You know, the Bible said, encourages us that we can anoint people with oil, that's a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and we can lay hands on sick and they would recover. Some of you may not feel comfortable with that. And I'm here to tell you that I don't have to lay my hands on you or anoint you for you to be healed. So you just designate that if that's you this morning. And what I want to do is if, is if, is if you need uh, any type of, if you need a physical miracle and you want to be anointed with oil, any type of sickness in your body, come on this side right here. And on this side, I want anyone, if you have emotional issues, rejection issues, discouragement, depression, financial issues, whatever you need, I want you to come over here this morning. So just come on up, and then I want our prayer team uh, to come up in front and, and just begin to, to, to pray with these. Something may be for, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, he won't breathe in. Cause they're God I serve no soul, only how to triumph. 
my God will never fail. My God will never fail. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord. Oh, 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 oh. power in the mighty name of Jesus.
worship you, Lord. Come on, lift up your hands. Let's keep worshiping God. I want to feel your presence, Lord. And sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. taking place. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray uh, real quick. I'm going to pray over us before we dismiss. After I dismiss, guys, if you could help us stack chairs and stack spades, that'd be so helpful. If you're taking the grow track, we'll be up there in about 10 minutes. Now, here's the thing. I had a young man ask me to pray for a friend named Petra who's having some family problems. And here's the thing. 
all of us are praying for people who aren't here right now. All right? And we're going to pray for everyone that's on your heart right now that's not here because the Holy Spirit is everywhere. Amen? You can touch lights everywhere. Would you just lift up that person? Lord God, I pray this morning for Petra and for her family situation. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you are calming the storms in her family. God, that you're calming the waves and the anger and the bitterness. And God, I just pray you would keep watch over her, Lord God. Lord, I pray for every child that's not here, every friend, every mother, every father, everyone right now who's lifting up somebody that they love that's hurting God. Lord, I pray that miracles are not limited to this church building, God. But I pray right now all over our country, all over our world, all over our city that people right now we're praying for are feeling the presence of God in their life. Lord, you're giving them visions and dreams. You're releasing your power and peace in their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So remember, invite some people who need need prayer. We're going to keep doing this. And God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us this morning.